Chapter 6 of Ebenezer's Casket by John Ulrich Giese and Junius B. Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Ben Tucker. Chapter 6 Mr. Clay, are you awake? Ebenezer opened his eyes. The little nurse was standing by his bed, and she held a tray in her hand. A tray with dishes on it. A tray suggestive of food and there was sunshine streaming in through the window and a sound of passing footsteps in the hall. Ebenezer stared for a startled second, and then he sat up in bed. What, what, time is it? he gasped. Eight o'clock, and I've brought you your breakfast, the little nurse smiled. But, said Ebenezer, like one in a daze, and paused while his cheeks went slowly red. The little nurse shook her head. You see, after the doctors got done with that horrid tube... You were so tired out that you went to sleep, she said. Understanding him on Ebenezer in a flash, it was morning, and he was alive. Something like an overwhelming sense of chagrin descended upon him. He was alive, and he was almost sorry. He stared at the little nurse in a rather miserable fashion and nodded without words. She set down the tray on the bedside table, went to the closet, and brought back his clothes. Now you dress and eat your breakfast, she suggested, and I'll go get that money you gave me last night. You will not, said Ebenezer, and his tone was almost fierce. When I give a thing, I give it. But, but nothing. I gave it to you, and I reckon that stomach tube Shindy put the alibi on everything else. Now, I guess I'll dress. Miss Coombs went out, and Ebenezer rose. He clenched his hands into knotted fists and regarded them fixedly before he drew on his shirt. There was something savage in the way he pulled on his trousers. His mood was one of a rapidly mounting rage. He finished dressing and put on his hat, and then he took it off and stared at the tray on the table. He was facing a serious fact. If he had died according to schedule, everything would have been all right. But instead of dying, he had slept all night and waked up very much alive, and he hadn't a cent on earth. Yesterday he had given away his every possession, his money, the old home place, even the loose change in his pockets, and here on the table before him was a perfectly good breakfast going to waste. He laid his hat on the bed, sat down, and ate in a ruminative fashion. His brow contracted in thought. There had been a reason for all he had done, of course, a reason why he had made a fool of himself as he undoubtedly had and the upshot of his thinking was that he decided to attend to that reason first. All at once to Ebenezer, that duty became a pressing need of the present, beyond which the future could wait. The future, he had thought himself able to know it. He finished the coffee in the little pot on the tray at a gulp, and scowled. He reached for his hat and rose. He found his suitcase in the closet and let himself into the hall. He found the stairs and went down them with lowered eyes. He didn't want to meet the glances of anyone he passed. He was dreadfully embarrassed. Last evening, he had come here boldly and announced that he was going to die at one minute past eleven, and he hadn't kept the date. Instead, he had gone to sleep. He literally sneaked out of the front door, past the office, and gained to the street. He set off downtown with the suitcase in his hand. And with every step he took, his chagrined rage mounted. By turns, he felt cold and hot. He had made a fool of himself. He had been a dupe, a sucker. He was broke. He was walking downtown now because he had not the price of a ride. He set his jaws and 
plodded onward with a heavily purposeful stride. He reached the boarding house district at last and mounted a set of steps to a pair of old-fashioned double doors. One of them was open, and Ebenezer went in and opened another without troubling to knock. The room into which it opened had probably been at one time the parlor of the house. Now, however, it served a purpose of another sort. In its center was a table supporting a sphere of glass on a jet-black cushion. Oriental hangings and various charts marked with peculiar signs and symbols were distributed around the walls. Ebenezer glanced about. The door of an adjoining room opened and a man appeared. He was dark, round-faced, stout. He was clad in a bathrobe and pajamas. It was Perry the Persian. Ebenezer knew him, even though in his present garb, untricked of his professional trappings, he seemed a lot less Persian and very much more just ordinary, soft-fibered man. For a moment he eyed Ebenezer, then he advanced with a tentative greeting. "'Good morning. Have I not seen you before, my friend?' "'You have,' Ebenezer put down his suitcase. "'And now you see me again.' There was something ominous in his manner. Perry the Persian appeared to mark it, even as he essayed a further question. "'And what advice can I give you on this occasion?' Ebenezer glared as he answered the suggestion. You can't give me none. I've had enough already, and it's got me in dead wrong. The last time I was here, you told me I was due to die at one minute after eleven o'clock last night. And I guess you can see I didn't. Dear me, is it possible? Perry the Persian laid two chubby palms together and turned his head slightly to one side. It is, said Ebenezer shortly. I'm sorry said Perry the Persian. Are you? Ebenezer glared again. Well, you're going to be a lot sorrier still unless you explain. Here I took what you said as gospel truth because you said the stars couldn't go wrong and I, I gave away all my things. I ain't got a cent left or nothing but what I got in the suitcase and on my back except a coffin I bought to be buried in yesterday afternoon. Perry the Persian drew back a pace. Dear me, he said again. It is most unfortunate, I am sure. I fear I must have fallen into some slight error in considering your horoscope figure. I know darn well you did, said Ebenezer. And you're falling into another if you think you can get away with it without my taking it out of your skin. Wait, said Perry the Persian and held up a flabby hand. Let us not be swayed by passion. Let us remember the words of the sages. To err is human, to forgive divine. Well... Ebenezer took a deep breath. There ain't anything divine about me this morning. I ain't dead yet, and... Wait, wait, Perry interrupted. Let me explain, my friend. All fallacy is human. The stars are true in their verdicts, as always. You've said that before, and I believed it. Ebenezer advanced a stride. Perry the Persian retreated to the table with the glass ball and sat down in a chair beside it. And I say it again. If error there was, that error was mine, I admit it. Deeply as it grieves me to think you should have been led into any unhappy action through any fault of mine. But, he sighed deeply, I am only human. You say you gave away all you had? Ebenezer nodded. Every darn thing. Ha, huh, said Perry, and bounced up. If you will sit down, I shall examine your charts again. He crossed the room to a desk and began rummaging in a drawer. 
In a moment, he was back at the table with a mass of papers in his hand. Ebenezer watched, as a cat might watch a mouse. Here sat the cause of all his troubles, the man on the strength of whose ability to read the destiny of man as predicted by astrological computations he had done everything, had resigned a lucrative position and stripped himself to the skin, and he didn't intend to let himself be played for a sucker again. Of course, the man looked troubled, one couldn't deny the fact. The face he bent over the papers he was consulting was clouded. Perry the Persian seemed considerably upset. And of course, as he said, he was only human. Anybody could make a mistake, but... All at once, Ebenezer found himself staring straight into the other man's eyes. And the other man's expression had altered. Grown into a thing of sheer amaze. His lips opened. They gave forth words. This... This is a remarkable thing, after all, Mr. Clay. I have never encountered anything like it in all my days. The error is mine wholly. You must not blame it on the stars. Even in this instance they have proved true harbingers of fate. Fate indeed has brought all that has transpired about. What has occurred was to befall through an error, and the error, I admit, it was mine, and in making it I became the agent of the destiny the stars predicted for you. I, uh, I misread a single sign. The corrected reading shows the true meaning beyond any further possibility of mistake. You, rather than dying, my friend, as I uh, erroneously told you, I should have warned you instead that you were fated to become absolutely bankrupt on a certain date, which date was yesterday, and by your own admission that is exactly what happened. But what is gold, man, as compared to life? Ebenezer gasped. His brain was whirling. The stars had said he was going bankrupt through an error, and Perry the Persian had made it. And he, he was bankrupt according to schedule. And Perry the Persian admitted his error. He confessed it like a man. He didn't question nor quibble about it. He said he had been wrong, and that he was sorry, and one couldn't manhandle a fellow being who frankly acknowledged a fault, especially when the stars had led him to it, made him one of the agents of fate. So what was the use? He got up slowly and lifted his suitcase and pulled down his hat. Well, looking at it that way, I reckon it was due to happen. And there ain't anything to do about it. If you was wrong, you can't do nothing but admit it, and you have. So, well, I'll be going. He made his way outside and went down the flight of steps to the street. He set off along it in a rather aimless fashion. He hardly knew what to do next. End of chapter 6